I'm Farah Duro, and you're listening to the PCS Revolution Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PCS Revolution Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest named Martha McKittrick, who's a registered dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a well-coached certified health and wellness coach with a private practice in New York City. With over 25 years of experience in the field of nutrition, Martha specializes in PCOS, weight management, cardiovascular health, diabetes, IBS, and preventative nutrition. And now, Ms. McKittrick has also had a special interest in nutrition for a long time now, since 2000. And so she's considered one of the pioneers in the field of PCOS. She was the nutrition editor for Dr. Walter Futterwitz's book, A Patient's Guide to PCOS, Understanding and Reversing Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome. And she's lectured across the country on PCOS to both health professionals as well as women with PCOS. And she's also currently on the health advisory board for PCOS Challenge. So, so glad to have you here. Welcome, Martha. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here, especially considering September is PCOS Awareness Month. So it's like perfect timing. I'm always passionate to talk about PCOS. Yes, for sure. And definitely, I want to dive into these topics because I, you know, I want to talk about your experience that you've had personally with clients of yours who've actually started to reverse their insulin resistance just by working with lifestyle. And as we know, that's the number one treatment for PCOS is lifestyle. So just tell us a little bit about what got you interested in working with PCOS. About 20 years ago, I was a consultant for WebMD and I was running one of their message boards. And a woman had written in and said that she was having a lot of trouble losing weight. She was on a really low fat diet. She was eating healthy. She was exercising and she couldn't lose weight. And then she told me she had PCOS and she was actually on a very low fat diet. So I did a little research and saw that insulin resistance is highly connected to PCOS. So we put her on a bit of a lower carb type of a diet and changed her exercise a little bit. And she was finally able to lose weight. So that got me like really interested in PCOS. And then I met Dr. Futterwhite and then I got involved with, you know, lecturing across the country for women with PCOS and I joined some PCOS organizations and I'm just really passionate about helping women with PCOS just because I think there's so much misinformation out there or lack of information, lack of awareness. It's gotten a lot better since the year 2000, but I think now with social media, in a way, it's gotten more confusing because you go on you go on Instagram or you go on the internet and you read totally different things. So I have women coming to my office almost like paralyzed with, you know, what do I do? You know, this site says you need to do keto. This site says you need to be plant-based. So it's it's I think women are just like so overwhelmed with the information out there. So I try to help clear the confusion with them. And so needed too. So tell us a little bit about your story from personal experience also and the way that you have kind of weaved some of those lifestyle recommendations into your own life. Yeah, well, my my own life, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I live in New York and I don't have PCOS, but you know, just as a busy New Yorker and a woman who's going through menopause, I just find I apply a lot of the same things I do for some of my patients. Like for example, I struggle getting enough sleep. That's probably the number one thing that I struggle with. You know, I'm, I'm up late at one in the morning on my computer blogging and stuff. And it's like, you can't do that. You have to go to bed. So 
sleep is super important for insulin resistance. So I really try to stress that with my patients is you need to prioritize yourself. You need to make sure that you get enough sleep, you know, get off electronics, set up a time. This is when you're going to go to bed because what happens is when you don't get enough sleep, of course, you're hungrier the next day. You know, you tend to tra- crave more carbohydrates. You're not going to crave salmon and broccoli. So usually you're looking for more carbs. You're hungry. And they've also done a lot of studies on lack of sleep with worsened insulin resistance, increased risk for heart disease, and diabetes. So it's super important that all my clients, especially my clients with PCOS, get enough sleep. So I focus on that a lot. And then it's what I find a lot of people have trouble with finding time to meal plan, you know, and Hey, I'm a New Yorker, but my kitchen is the size of a closet, you know, so I don't cook much. I'll admit I don't cook much, but you need to have a plan. Like, you know, you have a busy day. And so how are you going to be able to get healthy meals? You know, you need to have certain things in your, in your home or your apartment, just so you're ready. So at the end of a busy day, you can come home and throw something together really healthy. You don't have to sit down and cook this gourmet meal. So kind of like, you know, what I do with my patients is I give some education. I help to try and clear some of the confusion with the myths out there. You know, I talk about gluten and dairy and should you go keto? What about intermittent fasting? What are the nutrients that are healthy for PCOS? How can you start to reverse insulin resistance and decrease inflammation? Because they're both really important. So we talk about, you know, that stuff. And then we get into the practical part of it. So you have this information. What are you going to do with it? All right. So we know, yeah, wild salmon and and quinoa and spinach is awesome. But how is that going to happen in your life? So a lot of that really is, is thinking about planning and you know where can you get these meals? So it's kind of a two-pronged approach. So it's really looking at lifestyle, doing education, and then doing the practical, how are you going to implement it? That's so true. And I, I uh, noticed with our patients too, and in our 90-day program, we start with mindset. So do you feel like that is important? Because I know that there's definitely anybody can go online and just grab a diet or you know a cleanse or any of these things. Cookbooks are out there for sure, but it doesn't automatically guarantee that you're going to have success with maintaining your weight and, and all of that. So what would you say as far as the most important thing to start with when you are trying to change your mindset away? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because if I were to kind of draw like a pyramid, like, you know, in order of importance, I think mindset should be really the base of the pyramid because like you said, you know, you read on on social media that, you know, so-and-so lost 20 pounds in a month doing this diet and I have patients come into my office and they're so focused on the weight loss and the diet part of it that they don't they don't understand that if that's all you're focused on, it's not going to last. So the first thing I would say is, you know, change your mindset. This is kind of a healthy way to eat for the rest of your life. It's not a short-term diet. And rather than, I think another thing is focusing on like what you shouldn't have or can't have. And first of all, I don't ever like to say to somebody, you can't have that. But, you know, rather than saying, oh, I can't have any more pizza or I can't have any more bagels, I can't have pasta. Think about like the good things that you can have. So try and you know turn it, make it be more positive. There are so many delicious, healthy foods that you can have that can help to heal your PCOS. So changing your mindset there. So it's thinking of it in the long term. This is a healthy diet for life. 
trying to stop from thinking, oh, if it worked for her, it's going to work for me. Another big thing I tell people is that everybody, every woman's an individual. You know, I'm sure you tell that to your patients is that we all have different metabolisms and different genes and different gut microbiomes and degrees of insulin resistance and inflammation and food sensitivities is a huge one. So just because somebody else can't ever have gluten or dairy or soy or wheat or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to do that exact same thing. So you need to listen to your body and find what works for you. And I think find the least restrictive eating plan that you can. So mindset's super important. So I always talk, to, I start all my sessions with that with my patients. That's awesome. And, and what do you think about, you know, a lot of times people say, well, women with PCOS can never have dairy, but in my experience, I can, I can do okay with dairy. I mean, there's certain things like, you know, a little bit of Greek yogurt and all that is, is fine, you know? So like you said, individualization is important. And so, I mean, as far as some of the myths out there, can you, can you like elaborate a little bit on those? Because I know people are very caught up in, you know, not doing certain things like, you know, no, you know, no carbs and no dairy and no gluten and all these things. So, so what do you find as far as the biggest roadblocks you have when women are coming in with, with these, with the ideas like this? I mean, I think that's, a, that's a really, really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. It's really my blog that bugged to me with PCOS. And I also specialize in IBS and diabetes and all these other conditions. And I haven't heard so many like myths out there about these other conditions or something about PCOS where there is just so much out there. And the biggest, the biggest one I think I hear, actually there's two, is no dairy and no gluten. And a lot of the really popular, you know, coaches or influencers, whatever, on, on social media say you cannot have gluten and dairy if you have PCOS. It's like pretty much their poison. Here's the thing, right? Sure, there are definitely people who cannot have gluten. Obviously, if you have celiac disease, you cannot have gluten. You can't. And that's maybe 1% of the population. There's another perhaps 7% of the population that's gluten sensitive. Maybe it's more, but statistically 7%. But just because you have PCOS, it doesn't mean you can't have gluten. And a lot of things out there, people will say, oh, it's inflammatory. It's going to make all your symptoms worse. Well, it might for some women, you know, if you have a food sensitivity, sure, it will make it worse. But if you are able to tolerate, you know, small amounts of gluten, and I say small because I think women with PCOS should be on a moderately low carb diet. I think the degree depends on the person, which is a whole separate subject, but sure, you shouldn't be eating tons of, of carbohydrates, so you shouldn't be having bowls of pasta, but if you have a slice of Ezekiel bread in the morning, that's not going to cause inflammation in most people. So I think that's a, a really big myth, and I think that's a really, I think it's a really hurtful myth because it just makes you feel like if you have something with gluten that you're bad and you're a failure and you went off the diet and that's probably going to end up in more binging or because I mean, women with PCOS have high rates of eating disorders and higher rates of anxiety and depression and all that. And if you feel like I can't have fruit, I can't have gluten, I can't have dairy, like that's going to mess you up and that's going to lead to problems. So the biggest one, like you said, I think gluten is a big one. Dairy is a really big one. And dairy is a hot button topic anyway, whether you have PCOS or not. I mean, there are many people who are really, really against dairy. You know, adults were, aren't meant to have dairy is a lot of the stuff that's out there. It's inflammatory. It causes cancer. There's a lot out there. I think we can't call, all dairy is not created equal. 
Now you had mentioned Greek yogurt. You know, there are a lot of studies out there that show fermented dairy actually decreases inflammation. It's also good for the gut microbiome. So I'm not pro-dairy, I'm not anti-dairy. I personally don't even like milk. But if I have a woman comes in and she loves plain Greek yogurt, have it. Now, if you have it and it makes your symptoms worse, there are some studies that show that having dairy might worsen acne with PCOS. So if you find you have a Greek yogurt and your skin gets worse, don't do it. I do not think you should be drinking glasses of milk. You know, that to me is just, I don't think anybody needs to do that. But if you want to put a little milk in your coffee or have, you know, a little cheese, cheese is fermented. If you love a little Parmesan cheese, sprinkle some on your salad. But I don't think, unless you have an issue with dairy, it causes a problem. I don't think all women with PCOS need to avoid dairy. You have to assess how you feel. And if you're curious, cut it out for three or four weeks. You know, Do cut out one thing at a time, otherwise it will be confusing. But cut out gluten for three or four weeks. But pay attention though, because a lot of times when women cut out gluten, they are eating less carbohydrate maybe less white carbs. They feel better because you know they're eating less refined carbohydrates and they're not going to be getting the blood sugar and insulin spike. So you, you feel better. So if you want to do a real experiment, I would say to you know, maybe cut out white pasta and substitute it with corn gluten-free pasta. I mean, that would be a real experiment. I'm all about experimenting. So to do a trial, cut it out, see if you feel better and do the same thing with dairy. Cut it out, see if you feel better. That, that's a big one. Then there's other stuff out there, like the whole carb thing. Women with PCOS need to do keto. You know, I'm super open-minded and I'm not a huge keto fan, but on the other hand, it has worked well for some women. If I would never tell a woman to do keto off the bat, if you've tried everything and you're just not getting results and you want to do keto even short term, sure, do it. But I don't think by any means, every woman with PCOS needs to do keto. Thank you for everyone's breathing a sigh of relief. Probably I can hear a collective <laughs> sigh like, oh, good. I guess I just feel like it's just becomes, I mean, I have a patient who's 12 years old who told me the other night and it really broke my heart. Like I honestly have been you know, working with patients for 20 years like you and you go, there's a lot of things that, that we hear every day, but this almost put me into tears when she said, if I just look at food, I gain weight and I can tell you all of the calories and everything I eat because I've been counting calories since I was nine years old. So I, and I just, you know, and she said, I hate my thighs. I hate myself. And, and that really kind of, you know, brings it home. It's, it's not just that PCOS can, as far as it's not about the acne, it's not only about the weight, it's about also the oppression that can come from not feeling in control of your body. Totally. So, so definitely it starts at a very young age. I think a lot of our patients have dieted for as long as they can remember and they don't know what it's like to not be on a diet. So we're kind of like the undiet people. That's what I say. <laughs> I yeah. really don't even like that word. I just feel like yeah. it's become, you know, a thing where, you know, you have, you have to be on a diet for the rest of your life. So, so what can you see as far as far as like giving people a plan for life? What would you think would be a good idea. I mean, I know needs change as you get older, but we always say like, follow something you can see yourself doing when you're 80. And would that be like more involved in like plant-based with a little protein or, or I know that, you know, everyone's unique, but what would you say would be something good to start with? I kind of like thinking of the, the balanced plate. I don't know if you've ever seen that drawing of the plate and then there's a line down the middle and you fill half your plate with vegetables 
and you fill a quarter with a protein and then a quarter with the the healthy carb and then throw some fat in there. I kind of like to teach people that kind of concept. It's super simple. It's not into counting macros and all that. Just try to, to get in more vegetables. So in terms of, you know, should somebody be plant-based or not, that's really individual. Some women feel better having like maybe heavier protein like chicken or fish or even meat or eggs. It just, it holds their cravings more. They feel more satisfied. So like, I wouldn't really tell somebody to go plant-based unless they wanted to. I'm fine with it if that's what the way they want to eat. It's really healthy. But I think thinking of the plate method is a, is a, is a really good one. And I think it's also finding ways to get those vegetables in because I think it's like something like 90% of adults or probably kids don't eat enough vegetables. And I just did, I just did a blog post on why women with PCOS should eat more vegetables. And, you know, I gave like nine real reasons backed up by science. And a really important reason is obviously they keep you feeling more full. They aid in weight management. They can lower cholesterol, decrease risk of diabetes, but really importantly is that they improve the health of the gut microbiome. And we're doing so many studies now on gut health and the kind of bacteria that we have in us. We all have about five pounds of bacteria living in us and on us, and most of it's in the intestinal tract. And if you eat a lot of vegetables, you're actually feeding those good bacteria. And that's the kind of bacteria that can help you improve insulin sensitivity, decrease risk of other diseases, and help you lose weight. Because they found out that certain kinds of bacteria actually lead to weight loss where other kinds of bacteria don't. And if you're eating a typical Western diet where there's a lot of red meat or processed foods and you know white carbs and sugar, that those kind of foods actually feed the bad bacteria. And that's going to make it be more likely you're going to gain weight and get these other diseases. So, so vegetables is the big thing I would push. So, but I like what you said about thinking how you would eat, you know, when you're much older, that's a good one. But I think the plate method is the easiest way to start. Okay. And again, those ratios, what you're saying with the plate method would be pretty much a balance between the proteins and the veggies or more veggies than, than protein. No, I would draw, I would draw a line down the plate in the middle and I would do half your plate full of vegetables and then a quarter protein and a quarter carbs, starches, whatever. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people, they forget carbs are in vegetables. So (laughs) you can't say like no carbs means no, no, nothing, you know, it's crazy. Right. 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 So that's a great visual. I think that I could just, you know, really explain that a little bit better to people too. And I, I always recommend having a nutritionist if you are planning on, you know, restriction at all, or like thinking of, uh, we have patients who want to do a vegan diet with PCOS, which is possible, but I really think it's important to have someone in your corner that's going to help you with, you know, portions and all, all those things, you know, so, and also nutrient wise too. I mean, your B vitamins right. are so important as we know some B vitamins are easier to get from meat than, than vegetables. So do you recommend supplements for your patients that are on a vegan or vegetarian diet? Yeah. I'd like to see their, their labs you know, even if they're not plant-based, even if they're on metformin, right? Let's just say you're eating a regular diet with meat and all that, but you're taking metformin, which is a common medication for PCOS, that can deplete your B12 levels. So it's really important. I'd like to see labs. I'd love to see B12. If, you know, they could do iron, you know, iron levels, especially if you're plant-based, you may not be getting enough iron. That could be a cause of hair loss. You want to check for other kind of anemias. So I'd like to look at labs 
And then I would base supplements based on what the labs were. And then, you know, I would also take a look at their diet and you can get your protein needs from a plant-based diet, but you have to do some planning. And sometimes you may even need a, a plant-based protein powder to get your protein up. So I would want to just look at how they're eating. Are they getting enough protein? And I think this is a good time to bring up the whole issue of soy because soy is a really controversial topic, I think just in general, but especially with PCOS. And there's a lot of stuff out there on social media saying, you know, soy is horrible. It's going to worsen your PCOS. It's, it's an endocrine disruptor and all that. But most, if you look at most of the studies and, and many of the, the true PCOS experts, naturopaths, some MDs, they actually recommend soy for PCOS, but it also is not created equal. You don't want to get the GMO soy or the highly processed soy, for example, that's found in a lot of energy bars or cereals or Anytime you look at a food that should not be high in protein and it's really high in protein, they've usually added hydrolyzed soy protein isolate or something like that. They've added in some processed soy. So that's not what you want. But if you get like on GMO tofu or you know edamame or something like that, like that's a great source of protein. And that kind of estrogen or phytoplant estrogen is actually good for PCOS, unless you're highly estrogen dominant, maybe not. That's great. So sure, hey, you can have some soy. Should you have three servings a day? Probably not, but easily one. That's good. Yeah, and I do get that question a lot because certain supplements have soy, or they're made in a place that has, you know, that they can. So I think it can add up as as they yeah. as you look through certain things, you know, it can add up. It can, yeah. So that's great advice, and I feel like we're busting through all these myths, you know, little by little. So I think that there, we're, we can actually get to the bottom of a lot of these misconceptions and actually become more freer as far as, you know, more diversity in the, in the diet as well. And that can also help with our gut. So they're learning so much more about gut health and all that too. It's such a fascinating topic. It really is. There's, we're just learning so much about gut, you know, gut it's linked to, to, you know, your, your psychological state, depression, it's just linked to everything. And we want to eat a diet that's really good for the gut. And basically that's as, as many plant-based foods as you can. And also prebiotics. I have a blog on my website, MarthaMcKittrickNutrition.com. And I have a blog just on PCOS. And I dive into a lot of these topics a lot. Like I write really long blog posts. And so I wrote one on why prebiotics are important for PCOS. And prebiotics are, it's a certain kind of fiber that you get in mainly plant foods like onions and garlic and certain vegetables and inulin and chicory root, artichokes. But there's a, a whole lot of foods that contain these prebiotics. And these are the kinds of foods that feed the good bacteria. So we've all heard of probiotics, right? So probiotics, you can take a supplement, you get it in fermented foods like kimchi or, or that kind of thing. But unless you have enough prebiotics, the probiotics don't stay alive. So my concern for many women with PCOS who are on these really low carb diets, and they're just afraid to eat, you know, any, any really plant, any foods with carbs, like even for some vegetables you know, what's happening to their gut microbiome? Probably not a good thing. That's a concern for me. So I say to women, if you are going to do keto, make sure you're getting in 
as many prebiotics prebiotics from foods as you can. Oh, such good advice. And um, we could just talk about food probably. And actually I'm getting hungry as we're talking about food. <laughs> it's funny when you change your diet to vegetables and eating more vegetables with each meal, you actually start to crave veggies. I feel like you, you know, can really change your cravings too, by, by things that you're eating. So, and I, and I tell my patients this and they're like, oh, no way. When I start craving veggies, I'm going to call you because that's impossible. I'm like, it can happen. You can, it can, happen. can totally water when you look at a salad, you know. It, <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. Sometimes when I travel and they don't really have good vegetables, it's like all I think about is having some good vegetables when I get home. You definitely can start to crave them. Definitely. Well, if you could share with us maybe a resource that you found very helpful for your patients and women that you know who are struggling with PCOS, could you give us a link or a book that you might have found helpful? Sure. There is, well, th- this is, it's a group, it's called the PCOS Challenge. Mm-hmm. And there, it's the largest nonprofit for women with PCOS, and they are doing the most amazing job spreading awareness. We actually got to ring in the closing bell in the stock market in New York City last fall, which was really cool. We had our pictures like plastered up in Times Square. But if you go to PCOSChallenge.com, they have a lot of, they have like, they have videos, they have like a radio show. They have all kinds of events they're doing across the country. Like they're lighting up a lot of buildings. Teal, we're having this huge PCOS symposium in Florida, in Orlando, in two weeks. They have PCOS walk, run, you know, 5Ks across the country. So definitely check them out. You can also find experts, medical experts, nutrition experts affiliated with them on their site. So that's a place I would start. There are some great people to follow on Instagram and social media. I mean, I'm not saying I'm great, but I have I have account on Instagram where I'm most active and I'm called the PCOS Dietitian. And everything I'm posting is either evidence-based or it's very practical. And I do lots of stories. And if you go to my website, MarthaMcKidrickNutrition.com, and you sign up for my blog, you can get a lot of free handouts. I have like meal plans you can get for free. I have a plant-based one. I have downloads on how to eat out healthy, low carb. So, you know, you, you want to follow people who are credible. There's another really good site that I'll give a shout out to. It's called, she's called the, the PCOS, PCOS Nutrition is what it's called. Her name is Angela Grassi, and she is a dietitian. She's written books. She specializes in PCOS. And everything she's saying is also evidence-based. And that's what you're looking for. So just be careful on social media. If you're following people and they're telling you, you have to exclude these food groups or you have to do this, you have to do that. You can't have dairy. You can't have gluten. Anytime you're reading somebody who says you can't have this, or another big thing is the exercise. And I I could talk for hours, but I know we don't have hours. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff on, on social media where you take these quizzes and you learn your type of PCOS and you get put into this box kind of. And if you have this type, they say, don't do cardio or don't do weight training. You can't say that. You have to go by your own body. And if you're doing high intensity interval training and it wipes you out and you feel horrible, then don't do it. But just because you have type A or type B, don't feel like you have to follow these rigid guidelines. So beware of people who are saying things that just sound a little off and follow people who lift you up. There are also some great PCOS advocates on Instagram. This one woman I love, you're testing my memory here, PCOS support girl. She's great. She's funny and she's uplifting. 
And yeah, so anyway, find people who bring you up, who give you good information and start with those sites I told you about. Yes. And I love Angela. She was on our show a while back and I, I, her and you know also uh, your facebook page is is great because i just actually shared one of your infographics that you had about oh. self care which is great so i really look forward to hopefully you know you know getting to know a little bit more about you know any concerns that you guys have about around diet any misconceptions things like that you can definitely reach out to martha on her facebook page and also we'll post the links that we mentioned in our show notes and we're also on youtube now so so you'll be actually able to watch this interview in the video form on our YouTube channel, which we'll link to as well. So thank you so much, Martha, for being on today. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. And thank you guys for listening. I look forward to talking with you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you have to check out the PCOS Revolution Academy, where we go through all these topics and an easy to follow, totally online, step-by-step process so you can stop giving PCOS the upper hand. Join me over at thepcosrevolution.com to find out more about how you can sign up and also get access to some very cool freebies I've created for you. I'd love to have you join me inside of the Academy for our monthly live Q&A session to get all of your PCOS questions answered personally. Thanks so much for listening and see you soon. 